them? Yes. Just my honor to be here with you guys. It's been like a year and a half since I've been here. Um, hope you have your hand out. We're going to go over priest. <clears throat> um, so now we started out super intense last night. Everybody okay? So, um, but this, this whole I am for thing you're learning now is your creative order of prophet, priest, king, and warrior. That's just, we're not asking you to do something else. We're asking you to just be who God created you to be. Now, this whole thing actually came out of frustration to, to me trying to be a husband, trying to be a dad and just not understanding it. And um, the longer I live, I find out the Bible's just true. And uh, so God says, if you lack wisdom, then just ask for it. And so out of super, super frustration, I was like, okay, God, like I am, I am messing this thing up bad. Like I, I just need some help. And spent two days in the cabin and he said, okay, if you want to know, I'll tell you. And then I spent the first three years, once I got the, if you want to call it a revelation, whatever you want to call it, of prophet, priest, king, warrior, I spent the, I spent the first three years me and my wife having these conversations and me trying to not do this, but just be this. And so for three years, kind of worked it out between her and I and tried to be that to my, my sons and my daughter. And then, and then God said, okay, now that you got kind of a handle on it, um, he released me to like begin to communicate it to guys. <clears throat> and so my heart for you is that in no way do you hear, I need you to go do something else. Because as men, how many, how many of you have plenty to do? Well, if you don't have plenty to do, go see Josh. He can find something for you to do on, on Sunday. But the truth is, we have a lot to do. So I'm not asking you to do something. I'm asking you to really be who you are in the earth. And when you, when you naturally flow from this is your identity as a son of God, the doing is almost natural. It, it just, it just kind of flows from you. Um, but... There is a space of time where it does feel very unnatural. When, when, when he was talking about you're a, you're a prophet and you're going you're gonna to speak on behalf of God. And like if you're ever in a place where somebody says, I need a word from you, all you got to do, best, he showed you the best thing, read Proverbs and repeat that back to them. Like it's, it's, that's easy. Um, the New Testament Proverbs is the book of James. I don't know if you ever read the book of James, but that's, that's like go act right. Like it's, go, go be a man. So, so don't get caught up or um, fumble through this when you hear words like, like prophet. What is that? Listen, every, every single one of you, if you read the word of God, you'll have a word from God for somebody. All you got to do is repeat what God already said. You don't, I love what he, it's not like, let me go get alone in a room and try to hear something from heaven. Listen, if you want to hear something from heaven, just read the book from heaven. And, and repeat that. It, it'll serve you really well. So when we talk about priest, there's this, um, sometimes, not always, but there's this weird thing of like, okay, so now I got to go home and put on a robe and wear a weird hat and walk around with this swinging, smoking thing. <clears throat> if, if you want to do that at home, I don't, okay, but like that's, that's really not it. All, all you are as a priest, I'm going to say priest, is a servant for God. A priest is a servant for God. That's your, that's your, I'm going to do the best I can to stay with blanks. I'm, I'm not good at them because um, I'll, I'll blow by them. So if you're, who's a blank filler in her person? Like you got to have them all. Raise your hand. Raise, I need to know who you are. So I don't, okay. 
All right, so that's a lot of the room. So I'm going to do the best I can to make sure that we fill in all the blanks so you don't tackle me in the hallway and be like, what's the next blank? <clears throat> but all I need you to know, priest is just a servant of God. That's all it is. Jesus himself said, I came to serve, not to be served. Um, I, don't think you're, I don't think you're more like Jesus than when you're serving somebody else. So the quote on your page is, the man who I call deserving of the name is one whose thoughts and exertions are for others rather than himself. So according to Sir Walter Scott, you're, I'm trying to stay on blank, um, a man's mental and physical energy should be focused primarily on the benefit of other people. Let me give you a secret to your life, men. Anytime you get selfish, you're going to mess up. Anytime you start to make life all about you and your, and listen, I'm not saying that, that you shouldn't, here's what I will tell you. Self-care is not selfish. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of other, anybody else. But what I am saying is when your motives are selfish in nature, you're going to find yourself like making a mistake. If, if you serve your wife for selfish benefits that you hope happen at 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. that night, she will know that, she will feel that. You will resent her because she doesn't respond like you expected her to. Why? Because I started out serving from a selfish desire. So, so if, you, if, you, if you serve in any capacity with the expectation that I will get, you will be frustrated your whole life. You, you have to serve from a pure heart of, I just serve because it's, it's part of who I am. So we should understand that men should be an imitator of Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Willing to die to ourselves, to our flesh, and its selfish desires, especially when we're tempted to sin. You have the power, we talked about last night, you have the power to rule over any temptation to sin that's in your life, especially when it comes to being passive, aggressive, or sinfully self-deprecating. You have to fight that. Why? Why is it so hard? Because it's what the world says works. I'm going to talk to you tonight about these three things in detail. Um, I'm kind of just staying. I have, I have lots of messages that I could preach, but I really want to give to you what God says you need. I don't want to come up with a cool conversation. I, I think I'm getting there. Um, and so I want to I really help you. Here's what I'm going to talk to you about tonight, which is why I said you need to invite a bunch of dudes. I'm going to teach you how to become a man after God's own heart. Because you think that's only, you think David's the only one that can do that. Because, because in the Bible, that's, that's his descriptive. And so we go, oh, well, that was for David. I don't know if I can ever do it. No, it's available to every guy in here. You just got to, you got to know how to fight for it. You got to know how to press in to get it. And so that's what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. So Really, really quick, if you have a male, because you may not have men around, you may have males, that you can like bribe, drag, lightly threaten. I said lightly. <laughs> do it, what am I saying? Do whatever you got to do to get them here tonight, um, because the conversations tonight are going to be revolutionary. And I, I believe with all my heart, if you don't know what this word means, you'll know after tonight. I believe there's going to be some impartation that happens to replace what God cut out of you last night. Um, so, so please come, okay? <clears throat> so we should be a bridge. I say bridge. 
to Jesus for our family, friends, coworkers, and community. I don't think we understand when Scripture says, hey, so I sent Jesus to reconcile the world to me, and I send you to reconcile everybody else to Jesus. Like, we are the bridge. We are God's plan to help people understand how to get connected to Jesus so they can live in the kingdom and be whole and redeemed and forgiven and all of those things. So our lives, our entire lives, words, actions, decisions should point, should point people to Jesus. And sometimes when you're, so you're all like, you are a part of IM4, you're becoming a part of IM4, or maybe you're deciding if you're a pastor here, we're going to go back and teach it at our church, which all of that is cool. Here's what you need to understand. You're going to catch a lot of heat for it. You just are, because this is contrary to everything the world says. To everything the world says that masculinity should not be, this comes in the face of it because it's who Jesus is. I try to always say it's who Jesus is because he's still alive. It's not who he was, it's who he is. And, and he invites us to imitate him on every level. Well, Jesus came as the cure to everything for us. Jesus came as the perfect prophet, priest, king. He's coming back as warrior. Y'all know the story in Revelation, he wins. So when we walk in that, listen, every environment we walk into, why do we say this? You're the answer. It's not because we're trying to pump you into some kind of overblown self-confidence. I'm trying to get you Godfident. And there's a huge difference. I and myself don't have the answer, but because the dynamite of heaven lives in me, I have access to the answer. And so I love what Josh said. It changes how you walk into a room. Your position should always change your posture. And if you understand positionally, I am in Christ. Positionally, I am a citizen of heaven. Then whenever I walk into a room, I don't walk into a room arrogant. I walk into a room Godfident. Because you'll encounter a conversation, you'll be like, I don't know the answer. How many of you have ever heard your wife ask you something and go, I don't know the answer? Two things need to happen right there. You need to say, babe, I don't know the answer yet. Let's pray together that I receive wisdom to lead you. Or you have somebody you can call and say, and just literally say, babe, I don't know that, but I'm going to call so-and-so. Give me 15 minutes. I'll be back. So it's not arrogance, but let me just tell you, people will mistake your confidence for arrogance all the time, which is why we have to walk humbly before the Lord. You have to be compassionate. You have to, you have to be willing to cry with people. Like if you're a dude in here and you don't cry, you're, you're missing one of the distinctives of true manhood. Like, this is, this is not, let's all, like, bench 300 pounds and run around and, and, like, drink a bunch of beer and look at women as objects. No, this is like, let's embrace what Jesus designed us to be holistically and let's walk as prophet. Let's just repeat what Dad said. Let's be a priest and value serving on every single level, knowing that we are bridges between a broken world and a kingdom that they desperately need. Everybody say Jesus. So here's what Hebrews 5, 1 through 8 says, speaking about priests. Every high priest selected to represent men and women before God and offer sacrifices for their sins should be able to deal gently with their failings since he knows what it's like from his own experience. Here's what that means. The reason we can't come off as arrogant is because as prophet, priest, king, and warrior, we know from our own experiences what it's like to be dumb. 
what it's like to do stupid stuff, what it's like to be ignorant, what it's like to sin on purpose. And sometimes in men's environments, we try to build this elitism, and it's real hard for other men to find it attractive because they feel like they don't fit in. Inside I am four, we don't do that. I'm not better than you. At no point are you better than me or I'm better than you. We're all on the same journey. And Hebrews says the reason the high priest could be that way is because he knew his mess-ups more than you knew his mess-ups. And in no way am I ever going to judge you or condemn you because of something you did. What I'm going to do is move in your direction and show you the way out. Like if we, can, if we can maintain that as a tribe of men, period, in the earth, I'm just telling you, this movement will change the Northeast. Like it, it absolutely will. But what you can't do is act like your poop don't stink. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Everybody thankful I said the word poop? Okay, so like I'm, y'all don't, some of y'all know me, but some of y'all don't. I, I didn't grow up in church. I ain't always been saved. Like, I've only been saved since I was 20, almost 26. I'm just 46. So you're like, well, that's 20 years. Yeah, but when you spent 26 years like I did, there's just some words that come out every now and then. And I'm, I'm getting more sanctified as I live, so I understand that some of y'all are way holier than I am. I'm not being self-deprecating. I'm just telling you the truth. Like, I was in the military, like killed people for a living. No, for real. On the SWAT team, grew up a hellion. My, my great-granddaddy was, like, in the mafia. Everybody feel like you, you're doing good? So, so when I tell you I was really, really, and I got it, all sin's the same, but, like, how many you know some people are way far off from the Lord? But I was real far. And so all of this to me, I am not better than you guys. In any way, shape, or form, I'm on the same journey as you, and I'm, I'm trying to get closer to Jesus every day that I live, and if I'm honest, I just think this is, this is like the secret sauce of, of true manhood to help us be, you know what, you want, you know what, you want to be this. One more, you wouldn't be here if you didn't, and number two, even before you came here, there was a desire in you to be everything that you could be, the best version of you. You really want to change the kingdom. You really want to love your wife. You really want to leave a legacy with your kids. Here's, here's the honest truth. You just didn't know how. And so, like, all, all I think heaven wants to do is equip its sons with the ability to be who you really want to be. So we talk about prophet, priest, king, and warrior. It's not just a cool thing that flows off your tongue and will make really sick t-shirts with it's like the thing that changes you so you can change the earth moving on it says uh but that also means that he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as the people's no one elects himself to this honored position he's called by god to do it as aaron was neither did christ presume to set himself up as a high priest but it was set apart by the one who said to him you are my son today i celebrate you in another place god declares you are a priest forever in the royal order of Melchizedek. While he lived on the earth anticipating death, Jesus cried out in pain and wept in sorrow as he offered up priestly prayers to God. Because he honored God, God answered him. Though he was God's son, he learned trusting obedience by what he suffered just as we do. Let me ask you all a question because you're like guys. When did you learn the most valuable lesson in your life? 
when everything was going great or when it sucked. That's <laughs> right, right? So this, this is why I think the Bible says, which is probably the worst scripture in all of the Bible, count it all joy, brothers, when your life sucks. That's the IV version. That's not the SV or the King James, but that's how I read it when I read it. So like, you're, God, you want me to like be fired up when I test, when I hit tests of, or trials of all kinds? Yeah, because it like changes who you are. It builds character and perseverance. And, and you know, when those things are built, it produces hope and hope will never leave you where you were. And so, but listen, we are no better than our Savior and our Savior learned obedience. Jesus, this is your next week. Jesus did not want to die on the cross, but he obeyed. Everybody say obeyed. His Father, even though it meant he would suffer. He obeyed his Father, even though he meant it would, he would suffer. We got to learn, God, I want your will over mine. And we need to know that as priests, sometimes we're going to suffer. Here's what I would tell you. Don't suffer for no good reason. Don't suffer just to suffer. If I'm going to suffer, let me learn something. Let me get better. If I have to endure it, and the Bible calls us to endure things all the time, then if I've got to endure it, then God teach me something in the middle of it so that I become better on the other side. And as you walk as priest, here, I'm going to be honest with you. As you serve, sometimes it's just going to be terrible. Look, I can find joy. If, you, if somebody in here throws up, I will clean it up. But it ain't like I'm going to like it. Like, let's just be honest. Will I do it? Yes, I will serve. I will serve that person. I'll serve the house. I will clean it up. But it ain't like I ain't gagging while I'm doing it. How many of y'all got real quick gag reflex? Like if I just talk about vomit, like, <laughs> right? So if somebody ate hot wings last night and blows that toilet up and I got to go plunge it, it ain't like I'm going to like it. So there, there is some suffering involved, but we do find joy in the suffering. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, if you read Nehemiah and you read it in the original language, here, here's, here's how it really translates out, literally. The Lord's joy is strength. That's a little bit different. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Yes, that's true, but if you read it in Hebrew, it says the Lord's joy is strength. That's a little different. For me, it's a little bit, it's tattooed on my side because one of the things I had to um, overcome because of my past and what I had done is I didn't, I didn't have a lot of joy. And so I didn't have the English version tattooed on me. I had the Hebrew version in Hebrew tattooed on me that says, no, the Lord's, his, what he possesses, his joy is strong. And so I don't, I don't it's very different for me. And I hope you hear what I'm saying. Like the Lord's joy is strength. It's not something I drum up. It has nothing to do with happiness. It's not let me motivate myself, not let me look in the mirror and try to like talk myself into having a good time if I'm plunging the toilet or I'm cleaning the vomit. It's not like let me breathe and, and really get into a good place. It's, it's who my dad is. And because it's who he is, it's who I am. It's not an emotion, gentlemen. 
Some of you think peace is an emotion. It's not. He's a person. And at the, if you chase feelings, at the end of your feelings are going to be nothing. But at the end of every principle, there's a promise. You, you're not going to drum up peace if you lose a child. You're not going to drum up peace if your wife has an affair. You're not going to drum up peace if you're facing bankruptcy. You're going to have to hold on to the person known as the Prince of Peace. Because he says, it's my peace I leave with you. That's way different, guys. And the Lord's joy is my strength. It's way different. But as you walk as prophet, priest, king, and warrior, you'll really understand that. Exodus 12 says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man, let's say man, man, is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Everybody probably knows this. This is the story of the Passover. The angel of death is going to fly over and kill every firstborn. They get the instruction that, hey, kill a lamb, burn, burn it up, cook it, eat it, put the blood over the doorpost, and everybody puts the blood over the doorpost. The angel of death will pass over you. Just if you read this scripture, let me ask you a question. Who was responsible for, like, getting everything ready? I'll just paraphrase all these things. Like, who was responsible for picking the lamb? Everybody say man. Yeah. Who was responsible for killing the lamb? Yeah. Who was responsible for putting the blood on the doorpost? Yeah. Who, like, all those responsibilities fell on the dad. It is the, look at your neighbor and say, it's your responsibility. Your blank is this. God chose the father and gave him the responsibility to ensure salvation for his family. God chose the Father, gave him the responsibility to ensure salvation for his family. Can I, can I give, tell you a secret? Nobody else can husband your wife. Now, if you don't, somebody will try. Like somebody will sneak in and tell them the things that you're not telling them. Love them the way you're not loving them. I'm not giving her a bypass if she chooses that. What I'm saying is, is it takes two to tango. And we have to understand our responsibility to husband, lead, love our wives as Christ loved the church. I don't think we understand that. I know I don't. Not for, I'm trying to, but the truth is, I, I haven't got all the revelation I need out of that verse. Gave himself up for her washed her with the word, and presented her perfect back to himself without blemish. So you know what that tells me? If my wife is getting crazy and doing something I don't like, it's my fault. Because the Bible says that Jesus washed the church with the word so that he could present her to himself perfect. <laughs> Start, you, know what, you know what's just terrible about being a guy? Everything starts and stops with us. If I'm in marriage counseling, the first person I talk to is you. Because y'all bring your wives in, fix her. I said, well, we're going to start with you. And listen, I, I, I try to. I'm not perfect, but I try to start with me. I, you know what else I do? Because I'm called to serve, I try to apologize first. I am not good at it, but I really try. I might, listen. You know we mess your wives up for y'all? When you go home and get in an argument, notice I said when. 
And you're right. But she just can't hear your rightness. How many of us worse if, if she's wrong and you're wrong, but you're less wrong than her? Right? He's just, he's, I'm just a little bit above that. Here's, here's what I want you to do. Regardless, because let me ask you a question. Do you care about being right or do you care about having peace in your marriage? Here's what I want you to do. Apologize first. Say, so, babe, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on right here, but I need to ask you to forgive me. And let's just pray. Imagine the, do you just feel how the peace entered this room? Just, just because I, I, I repeated what Jesus would have repeated? Imagine the peace that can enter an argument that you know is going to end and y'all throwing some can of beans at each other or something. Right? Imagine, imagine you led the way to peace. She will follow. I'm not saying instantaneously. So you got to maintain, but like, imagine, she, she would look at you like somebody had stolen your body. If you, just, if you just grabbed her by the little hands, looked her in the eye, said, baby, I love you so much. I apologize. I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. Would you just forgive me right now and let's just pray? <laughs> she, she would lose. She'd be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> right? She would be like, blown away. She's like, what? <laughs> Y'all probably make good love right then. And she wouldn't even know why. She'd be like, I just need to rip your clothes off right now. I don't know what's happening. Don't do it for that reason, but maybe, maybe you should sometimes. No one else can father your children. The next one is God chose you. Everybody say me. God chose you to do it. God chose you to do it. You have the ability to respond to that selection. God chose you to do it, and you have the ability to respond to that selection because, last blank, it's, and I, put, I broke it up, I'll tell you why, it's your response dash ability. What does that mean? It's your ability, it's, it's your responsibility to respond to the ability that's already in you. That's what responsibility means. I can respond with the ability that God has given me to do the right thing, to step into priest, to, to kind of understand it. So a man's success, in, in my opinion, truthfully, a man's success as prophet, king, and warrior hinges on his success as priest. We like to talk and show our education of the word. We like king. You're going to hear about king in a minute. Everybody's like, all right, I got my throne. Everybody's going to wait on me and do what I say because I am the king. Some of us like warriors. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to protect what's mine. The one we fight against the most, which I think is the most important, is priest. If you want to be successful in the other three, you have to, without the diligent, explain, without the diligent understanding and pursuing the role of priest, you, me, no man will thrive in the other roles. Why? Because the priest is willing to suffer for the benefit of others. That's not in there. That's just for free. Because that, that's what you're doing. I'm dying to self. I'm not choosing selfishness. I'm serving people in every capacity that I can. 
So here's, here's, a, here's the number one way that you can serve. And we don't un, I don't think the church of Jesus understands the power because a priest prays. Like for real. I, I think personally our fly by the seat of our pants, weak, tiny, disingenuous prayers offend God. I really think they do. I think God is ready for some men that's legit going to pray, step into what is theirs, and ask God to do the impossible. And actually believe that he can. We should pray for our families and the people we choose to do life with. James 5, 16. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And you may not feel very righteous sometimes. At least I don't. But the truth is your, your righteousness is wrapped up in your position, not your performance. Your righteousness is wrapped up in what Jesus did, not what you're doing. And so you've got you to understand that you have the right to boldly come, boldly come. Like you understand that word? Boldly come before the throne of God. And whatever you ask in his name, it will be given to you. Now listen, that's not a magic phrase that if you forget to say in the name of Jesus at the end of your prayer, like the, all you prayed was void. What it means is, is you pray in accordance with what he wants done, align yourself with him and his plan, and I'm telling you great things will happen in your life. His plan is that you love your wife as Christ loved the church. How many times do you pray to understand that so that you can do that? I'm supposed to like raise up my kids and teach them about Jesus. How much time do you spend praying for your kids? Like legit, not like God protect them, keep them safe today, hope they understand you, amen. No, like knowing your child's personality, knowing your child's struggles, knowing their, their own destiny of what they want, how much time do you spend praying over them? Because if you pray more about other people in your life than you pray for your wife or your kids, you're missing your first responsibility. So start there. And here's another thing that most guys don't do. Pray for you. Because some guys are, oh, I just don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to pray for everybody. No, no, no. <laughs> pray for you so you can be effective. So a, a priest prays. We pray for our family and, and people that we do life with. As a priest, my job is to talk to God on behalf of the people so here's my, this is my like, responsibility as priest. I'm to talk to God on behalf of the people. So prophet talks to people on behalf of God. Okay? Priest talks to God on behalf of the people. And it is also my responsibility to teach my family how to do that, how to pray. If you have sons, it is your responsibility to teach your son what this means. Teach your daughter what this means. Teach your wife what this means. Teach other men in your life what this means. But it is my responsibility to talk to God on behalf of people. So let me, let me help you, especially if you've been in church a long time. Again, I, I have not. 20 years. That's like, that's it. And like the first five years of my spiritual journey, it's a little sideways. You don't have to say really big words to be effective. Like, just talk to your dad. Just like you talk to your buddy. 
And I know sometimes that feels weird because like, no, I don't, like I'm trying to respect the Lord. You disrespect the Lord when you're not honest with him. Like just go read the Psalms of David. That dude complained a lot. Y'all ever read the Psalm? I'm like, David, why are you so down? Well, because he's living in a cave. He's being chased by the king. Everybody's out to get him. People he fought with and cried with are trying to kill him. Like he's got all this stuff going on. And the truth is that happens to us sometimes. And here's what God wants. He wants you, if you're going to complain to anybody, complain to the Lord. Stop complaining to each other so much and take it to the Lord and complain to him because he will redeem you out of that cave. You watch the psalmist David get to the place where he complains. He goes, but the Lord is good. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Like he, he butts himself. The reason he can do that is because he knew what it meant to be honest. Do you know why I think he's, he's described as a man after God's own heart? It's because he was honest with his heart. God, this is where I'm at. This is how I feel. But he was always, at some point, quick to go, but that's not true. Here's what's true about you, about my relationship with you, and actually what you're doing. So learn to, like, be vulnerable with God. As men, we practice, as you're blank, we practice all kinds of things because we believe that practice makes perfect. That we, and we typically fear failing at anything. So we practice, we practice to get good at things. Just like, um, just like anything else you want to improve, you know you have to get the reps in. How, how many of you have played sports? How many had a coach tell you, we're going to practice like we're going to play? Right? It's very, very important in any, anything you're doing that you practice like you play. So it, how many of you have ever been in martial arts of any kind? Okay, so... One of the most terrible things about boxing, kickboxing, or any of those things is you cannot practice like you were going to play because you're like, stay injured all the time. So it causes guys that when they finally get in the ring to like choke up on a punch and not follow through because that's what they've been doing for months on end as they've been hitting pads and practicing. They can't really go. And so they get, most guys in their first fight get their rear end handed to them because they couldn't practice like they're supposed to play. So a lot of times when a guy gets in a bad situation and he never practiced prayer when he didn't need it, he gets in the heat of battle and he's just ineffective. So you really got to, in private, learn to practice like you play. Get the reps in. The things we do consistently reveal what's truly important to us. The things we do consistently reveal what's important to us. One of the greatest desires in a man's life is to be respected. How many know that? How many, how many hear young men get into fights because they say this, well, you disrespected me? How many when you were younger, you said that, oh, you just, we, we're about to go? You can apologize or I'm going to make you eat your teeth. Either one. Because you disrespected me. We hear this all the time. You disrespect me, disrespect me. One of our greatest desires is to be respected, but what we don't understand is respect is something that's earned. It's not something that's given. And any place, any place in your life that you are inconsistent, people struggle to respect you. 
I'm going to give you a formula to a, how many married guys in here? All right, so it's a lot of y'all. I'm going to give you a formula to a great marriage. Okay? It goes like this. Consistency. Consistency in your life builds trust. Think about what I'm saying. If I am consistent in any arena of my life, people trust me in that arena. Consistency builds trust. Do you know what trust builds? Respect. If I'm consistent, you begin to trust me. If you trust me, you begin to respect me. Do you know what respect builds? Love. Talking in the context of marriage right now, but I'm also talking in the context as, as a brotherhood. You think about a guy that you know who's not consistent. You don't trust that dude. So what does that mean? You don't really respect him. And you can only love him so far. So consistency builds trust. Trust builds respect. Respect builds, I'm sorry, intimacy. Intimacy is what builds love. I, I skipped one. So consistency, trust, respect, intimacy. What's, what's intimacy? It's into me you see. I allow you to see everything about me because I'm consistent and therefore I don't have to hide anything from you. What does that cause? It causes this unbelievable love to begin to blossom inside your marriage. The next one, this is what builds a quality-filled marriage. So it goes consistency, trust, respect, intimacy, love. This equals a quality-filled marriage. As a priest, as a prophet, as a king, as a warrior, it is our responsibility to be consistent in that constantly growing, pushing the envelope, being the best version of ourselves. Why? So that people trust us, so that our wives trust us, so that they now respect us. And as they respect us, I can open up my whole life. You know what you can look at of mine if you want to, my phone? You can go look at my history browser. You can look at all my text messages. I don't know why people in the United States get all bent out of shape about the government searching our phones. Listen, if it keeps me from getting blown up, search it. I don't care. You know why? Because I ain't breaking the law. I don't, whatever you need to know. I don't care. You're going to see me talk dirty to my wife every now and then. You may read some stuff that might help you, but the truth is I don't have anything, I don't have anything to hide. Like I don't, you can come in my house. You can look at my refrigerator. You can go with me places. You can come over at 11 o'clock at night. What you're going to see is what you always see. I'm not trying to be somebody over here and not get caught over here. I'm just consistent. Am I perfect? Well, hell no. But I'm consistent. Therefore, my wife trusts me. Therefore, she respects me. Therefore, we have intimate conversation about what's going on in my life and her life. And therefore, I'm just telling you, 26 years into marriage, listen, guys, it's 15 times better, 20 times better than it was when we first got married. It has not progressively got worse. It's gotten better and better. And be Listen, I am so in love today, I can't imagine being more in love tomorrow, but you know what? I will be more in love tomorrow. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not BSing you. I'm straight up. If, if I would let her walk in here and tell you honestly about me, and, and listen, it wasn't like she'd fluff it up. And she would tell you what the deal is. But I'm consistent. She trusts me. She respects me. The people that are here that know me, like real know me, will tell you he's, he's telling the truth. Like we make people sick when we go out to eat. Because we're so in love, kissing on each other. Like we look like we're 12. 
And I'm like, good. Some of y'all need to do that when y'all go out to eat. You're like, I ain't staying. No, you need to be that way. Date your wife. Love her. Dote on her. Open the door for her. Like, you know this, you know we just talking about plain old man stuff, right? Like, y'all can remember, some of you can remember the years back when, like, women didn't open the door. And you may have a woman who says, I don't need no man to open my door. But she really wants you to open the door. She just doesn't know how to receive it. She really wants you to, like, manage the checkbook. Wes is going to talk to you about that. And you're like, no, I ain't good with numbers. It's because you ain't never done them before. Consistently, be consistent in your walk. And, and like things, do you know what builds momentum? Bad decisions. Do you know what else builds momentum? Good decisions. So like, you know what's terrible? True is true. It's true in the negative, and it's true in the positive. I just want us to get on. I would love for every guy to get off of the miracle needing side of life into the miracle working side of life. That comes from consistent, consistency in your life. Where am I at? Okay, your wife and kids may never thank you for praying over them at dinner or praying for them in your morning quiet time, and they shouldn't have to. I call this the menial task of life. It's just what I do. I don't need you to tell me thank you. It's our responsibility as the priest in our homes to speak to God on their behalf, even without the gratification. It's just what we do. You know what your boss should never have to do? Thank you for coming in on time. Right? Like, I don't know why we give people raises for, like, working eight hours and coming in on time. That's, like, what I pay you to do. If you want to raise, you've got to outperform the minimum standard. So here's a secret that you haven't come up with. Everything I'm telling you, everything Josh is telling you, everything that will tell you this weekend, it's the minimum standard of manhood. Minimum. But we have lost the art of even meeting the minimum. Like this is what you should, when your son becomes 12, you should like set him down and go through all this stuff and say, now you're entering in to where you have to take responsibility for you. And then when they turn 16, you have another conversation and lay some more responsibility on them. And then when they turn 18, you lay some more responsibility on them. And then when they turn 21, you don't take them out and get them drunk, you lay some more responsibility on them. It's called rites of passage. And the ages I just gave you are the ages they should happen. Just think back over your life. Think back over your life. At 12, there was something transitional that happened to you. When you were 16, there was something transitional that happened to you. When you were 18, there was something transitional that happened to you. When you were 21, there was something transitional that happened to you, and most of it was terrible because nobody took the bull by the horns and orchestrated a correct transition. So we, ha- we have to understand that and make it, make, I must say make it, make it happen. So a priest prays. The next uh, line there is a priest serves. We should be serving God's people and God's house. So priest serves, we should be serving God's people and God's house. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Um, 
so we're having super, super honest conversations, and sometimes it can sound like the orator is, is mad. Um, never am I mad. I'm usually super passionate. Um, so when I tell you this, Josh has not told me. I don't, I don't know what the ratio here of serving to attendance is. I have no idea. If, if you're from another church, I have no idea what's yours. But here's what I should know. 100% of men should be serving. Period. We should never, ever, 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 ever. Two, two things. I'll just, I'll just be quite honest with you. We should never, ever, ever, ever have men taking up space. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how long you've been in church. It's not over. Ever. We're, there's always something to give. There's always something to be done. So if you're here and you're not serving after this weekend, what I'm challenging you to do is sign up, sign up and serve on a team on Sunday or during the week at whatever church you're a part of. Because that's who you are. It's not what we do. It's who we are. And I think that churches should not be numbered with more women than they are men. I don't think churches, when the crowd is there on Sunday, should be 70% women. I think that's terrible. But it's usually because the environment is super feminine already. And we just put up with that. And so a guy, listen, a guy, if, you, if a guy comes to a church and it's real feminine, he ain't staying. He's not. And we, we, we make it that way because we as men don't step in to who we are and, and like create the culture that's healthy for everybody. Listen, you don't, have to, you don't have to throw knives every Sunday and only have mahogany colored wood for guys to come. But like you are like, light cigar candles in the hall. Like, it ain't got to be like that, okay? But listen, it can't be pink walls and mauve carpet and... Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's... Like, you realize that's why churches made that turn, right? Because, like, the women were doing everything because the men stepped out. They were running the children's church, the discipleship program. They were the ones singing on stage all the time. Like, it's... Like, women... Women didn't take over. They had to take over because we stepped out of our role. So like what, I, what I want for this church and every church is that for men to get it and step back in. Listen, I value women in leadership. My wife is a jam-up pastor. So that's not, don't hear me say something I'm not saying. What I am saying is right now the church I lead is 65% men. Because in marketing and everything that we do, I'm going after the guy. You know why? Because if the guy gets saved, the wife will get saved. I'm not banking on reaching the woman hoping the guy gets saved. I'm going after the one who will lead his family to salvation. And we create a culture where men are welcome. Do I create a culture where women are? Yes. Absolutely. That's not what I'm saying. It's not like you've you got to pick which one you want to do. You do both. And I'm just telling you, the women in our church love I am for they're like, please, God, tell him what he's supposed to be doing. <laughs> we get offering checks to I am for from women all the time. Men, not so much. We have a hard time with it. Because, because we just don't blow smoke up each other's rear end. Like, if you, if you come to Epic and you're a guy, you know immediately if you're staying or going. <laughs> you, walk into the, you walk into the auditorium and you're like, oh, so it's like that. Yep. Be, but listen, it's because we're inviting you on a journey of true biblical manhood. 
And, and we know what it, listen, we've all been there. We know what it's like. And we want you to overcome everything the world's throwing at you because there is an enemy that's trying to destroy you. So they serve. Here's a, here's, here's a phrase you can tell any dude. We do what we want to do. I am like big on personal responsibility. And I just, I have just come to realization, you know what I do? What I want to do. I've never done something I didn't want to do. And you're going you're to disagree with me and you're going to be wrong in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I didn't say I did everything I like to do. I said I do what I want to do because I made a decision to do it. Therefore, that means I wanted to do it. I may not like it. I do a bunch of stuff I don't like to do, but I've never not one time done something I didn't want to do. So if you're here and you're not serving, it's because you've chosen not to and you don't want to. And you've got to discover why inside of you you don't want to. So that you can get past it and step into who you are. James 2.18, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. I'm going to read that again. Show me your faith apart from your works. I will show you my faith by my works. I may say this on Sunday. Um, I'm speaking here Sunday, unless Josh tells me I'm not. Um, have you ever loved somebody but didn't do what they say? Everybody nod, yeah. Man, I, I love, I, maybe you had really great parents and you loved them like a lot and they told you to do something and you didn't do it, right? So here's what, here's what I'll say to the Christians in the room. Just because you love Jesus doesn't mean you obey Jesus. You can love God a lot, but what I need you to understand is God's greatest desire for you is not just that you love him, but that you believe him. Because the reason you didn't obey your parents is because you thought you knew better. Well, I ain't got to do all that. I can go play in the street. I'm aware. I'll watch. I can go smoke one joint and be okay. It's not that big a deal. I mean, whatever it was, your parents said, hey, don't do that. And they went, you don't know. I'm like 12. (laughs) I've been around a while. I'm 17. I got... All these years of experience. <laughs> Y'all understand what I'm saying? And we come to church and we like praise the Lord and tell him how much we love us. And the first time he tells us to do something, we go, well, I don't really know about that. The phrase willing and obedient is in scripture 321 times. Willing and obedient. As a priest, like, that's, that's, one of your, that's one of your deals. A priest obeys. A priest prays, a priest serves, and a priest obeys. Obedience is often learned through suffering. That's terribly unfortunate. Because here's what that means. We are hard-headed. That's all that means. Let me ask you a question. Do you want your child to have to 
experience pain to learn or would you rather them just listen to you? Which is it? Would you just rather them go, yes, sir? Because you know what you can do if they listen to you because you like have a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, you can keep them from what? A lot of pain. You're like, son, I've been there, done that. I know exactly. You ever, listen, my son dated a girl one time and I was like, don't date her. Like I saw it immediately. He was like, no, dad, she's a good girl. I was like, she ain't. I ain't judging her, but I'm just telling you, it is not going to go well for you. And you know what happened? It didn't go well. So I'm just telling you, you have a father in heaven who did not write you his instruction manual, love letter, secret to life, to suck the fun out of life. He did it to stop you from hurting yourself and a bunch of people. Like, and he says, I like, <laughs> I know you, I know, I know you like awesome. I created you in my image. I blessed you to rule and reign. And you, like, you function at a high level, but I'm telling you, you don't know everything. So when I say, don't do that, it's not because I don't want you to not have any fun. It's because if you do, it's not going to go well for you. Yeah, but what if it's like hard? I ain't done anything easy for the Lord in 20 years. Everything's hard. Like you understand what I'm saying? Everything is hard. Information plus a decision brings transformation. Listen to that formula. Information. Information by itself does not change you. Information plus a decision transforms you. So what does that mean? Everything's hard. Being overweight's hard. Being in shape, hard. Being broke, that's hard. Having a lot of money is hard. But if you've never had any, you don't think that's hard. You think it brings a lot of blessings, I'm going to be okay. I promise you it's hard. Like, you, you pick anything you want to do in life. Being married is hard. You know what? Being single is hard. I don't care what you pick, it's hard. So here's our phrase. Choose your heart. I love that in Scripture, God says over and over again, choose. Choose what you want. Do you want to have a quality-filled marriage? Do you want to live life to the fullest? Do you want to affect the earth by walking and living with a kingdom mindset? Do you, like, really want to press into everything that God has for you and take it? Because it's not about receiving it. It's about taking it. Like, do you want that? Well, if you do, here's what I'm going to tell you. I am not, not going to lie to you. It's freaking hard. But you know what? Living passively and hoping things work out and kind of flying by the seat of my pants and being out of shape and fussing with my wife and living paycheck to paycheck, that's hard too. I'd just rather choose my own hard. It's it's this t-shirt. You can live life by design or you can live it by default. It's up to you. 
What do I mean by that? You can let life happen to you or you can make life happen. I love what Pastor Josh said. It is not. It is what it is. It's not. You are a son of the king. It is what you make it. There's nothing that has ever happened to you that was not out of your control to navigate with what you can control. You may not control other people. You may not control economy. You may not control, but what you can control is your attitude, your response, your belief, your thinking. You can control all of that. So here's, here's what I'm going to tell you guys. Like, choose your heart. When you leave this weekend, here's, here's the worst thing. The worst, the worst thing about this weekend. James says, James says, I hate this verse. I know y'all way holier than me. You love all verses. There's just some I don't like. If you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, anybody want to finish it? To him. Do you realize when you walk out of here this weekend, there's going to be something that's sin to you that's not sin to everybody outside this walls? Because you now know the right thing to do. You think we've given you a gift. Like you're getting some doggone revelation. You're like so fired up. No, no, no. What you got is a greater responsibility. It's called the cost of freedom. You're free. Way freer than you were. But now you've got a heavier price to pay. Because if you choose not to do everything that you have learned... This weekend about who you are, what your responsibility is. Here's what you need to know. To you, to you, to me, that's a sin. What's the only guarantee to sin in our life? If I say death, choose your heart, gentlemen. Choose your heart. Amen, amen, amen.